Hi there, this is Anne Angela Webb, The Animal Intuitive. I wanted to make sure that you knew about my free intro to telepathic animal communication class. It's called Unlocking the Secrets of Telepathic Animal Communication. And you can get the class by just going to my website, intuitivetouchanimalcare.com, and heading on over to the courses page. Also, if you would like to watch this episode or to check out my extensive video playlists, use the link in the description for the Animal Intuitive channel on YouTube. And finally, leaving me a positive review helps the channel more than you know. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the 150th episode of the Animal Intuitive Channel. Tonight we've got a fantastic episode lined up for you on winter horse and indoor pet care. Winter can, winter can definitely bring some added stressors for both outdoor animals like horses but also indoor pets. And if you're watching this in the future or in some other part of the world where it's not freezing cold tonight, remember these techniques can benefit your beloved animals in all seasons. And here on the Animal Intuitive channel, we give a voice to animals through animal communication, natural pet care, supporting pet parents, and with interviews with experts in the fields of animal advocacy and animal care. And tonight, our special guest is Lori Perez, the lead equine instructor at Tall Grass Animal Acupressure Resources. Uh, Lori is a licensed acupuncturist and a certified four-level equine assisted activities facilitator. We're going to talk more about that and what that means. Uh, Lori has over 25 years of experience and her expertise in clinical acupuncture and Eastern Asian medicine is incredible. Lori will share with us tonight essential winter care acupressure modalities for your horses and indoor pets addressing everything from colic to mobility mobility issues so whether you've got a horse a dog or cat this episode is for you so get ready to learn and connect with like-minded animal lovers and without further ado let's welcome Lori Perez to the show hi glad to be here thank you so much for being here and some of you may be familiar with tall grass animal acupressure resources because we've had Nancy and Amy on the show many times and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit, Lori, how you came to be here tonight, what your new role is here. Well, maybe not so new, but. Well, it is a little bit new. We're just getting ready to um, launch um, our hands-on programs again after some hiatus uh, due to COVID and being able to meet and hold bigger classes. So uh, we're excited to have the calendar up and running for 2024 and get back to those hands-on classes. So I have been studying with Tallgrass since 2013, uh, just for my own knowledge, to take my medicine, which is a human-based practice, um, out to the animals at a different level. So as an acupuncturist, obviously I work with needles, um, and I work with the acupressure and tui knot techniques that we'll share with you today. Um, but the medicine's the same. The medicine's the same whether we um, are touching, whether we're massaging, whether we're needling uh, the points, our theories and our foundations are always going to be the same. So um, it's a lifelong study and it's um, something that you can just start and you can do a good job with and you can spend a lifetime getting better with it. 
And the tall grass program definitely um, can help take you from the beginning all the way to a more advanced career if that's your choice. So I started studying in 2013. So 10 years later, I um, had just reached out to Amy and Nancy um, about some of the activities that I was doing in my practice and some of the shifts that I was hoping to make with, as you mentioned, my training as a facilitator for equine assisted activities and um, our uh, herd of our healing herd of horses that uh, we've acquired that we are wanting to share with people. So we've really tried to establish a program where um, our herd can uh, be of service to other providers. So hope, wow. so the acupressurists, the massage therapists, uh, equine facilitators, psychotherapists, um, they're here for them. And so that's what we're doing with the facility. And it just, um, lucky for all of us, it was just perfect timing. And um, Amy and Nancy, of course, are still pioneers in this field. They've been giving us their wonderful, beautiful charts and books and um, coursework for over 30 years. And um, they'll still be doing that. They're still creating, even this week, a new website, new webinars, new programs for us. But so they can enjoy travel um, of a leisure form now, mm -hmm. rather than travel um, for work. I will be um, trying to take the hands-on portions of the equine work. And we have another licensed acupuncturist, Amalia Reeves, out of California. She's um, taking on the small animal uh, hands-on classes as well. So when we get to the end of our presentation today will give you some resources and some connections on where you can find the calendar and um, if you want to join us for some actual hands-on workshops we'll have those coming up terrific uh yeah i was actually just out i don't know if it's, it's going to be the same place but i was just out there well now it was last year 2023 for the two and mm -hmm. class which you're going to be mm -hmm. talking about today yes. we got to meet yes uh, yes, it was, it was a yeah. fun class, and we'll um, we'll definitely give a little plug for that at the end of the presentation. And that that will not be at the same location as it was in July of 2023. It will be at my ranch location in Black Very Horse, cool. Colorado. And we will be blessed with Amy and Nancy uh, teaching that weekend. So even though I was saving that piece of information for the end, we'll put the plug at the beginning, and we'll remind everybody at the end yes, that they definitely. will be here in August, which is going to be something that's not going to be happening as often. Yeah, very neat. And um, yeah. and also I will have, I, ha I don't have it there as we're on the live, but I will have my uh, a link there for uh, right. sort of a discount link if people are interested in any of the materials that they have because they have some great, great resources. Yeah. So Yes, there is. Yeah. And I just want to stop and say hello to everyone in the chat. Hello, Mel Mack and Judy Ann and uh, anybody else. I see there's some people here who haven't typed anything but we want to welcome anybody who's here watching uh tonight live or on the replay we're so happy you're here and as i said this is the 150th episode so that's a special one exciting yeah yeah it is it's it's neat it's a nice little milestone and um yes mel mac thank you for mentioning that please feel free to ask questions uh, share your thoughts this is a community where we you know it's very open discussion and you know, also, I always forget to let people know, but please, thank you, Mel Mac. Please do like and subscribe. It actually really does make a difference to the show. And I do find most people who are watching are not actually subscribing. So it's kind of strange. And that happens to a lot of people. 
um, on YouTube. So please do subscribe. It really makes a difference in helping this show to continue on and grow. So uh, that's enough of that. Um, Giovanna's in the background. Giovanna has not been with us for a while. She has been locked in a room accidentally a few times when we met on. So those of you, I can't figure out which way to point. Those of you who see a cat here, you know, who haven't seen her in a while, Giovanna's back. She just had a bath, so she might be a little quiet. So... <laughs> All right, without further ado, uh, let's get going into our presentation. Oops, I lost you. Wait a minute. You need to be in this too, Lori. That's important. Wait a minute. There we go. Okay. Um, all righty, so this is just kind of the front one there. Okay. I'm probably going to have to do this every time because I set it up without doing that. So I'll add you each time. Okay. So I'll let you take over, Lori. Okay, so we're starting with seasonal activity. Uh, we do have five seasons in traditional Chinese medicine. We have a late summer season, which is our transitional season um, going into August and September into the fall. Living here in Colorado, we always have a perfect example of that, that fifth season. But in starting with, um, with getting ready to take us on this journey, um, we're talking about seasonal activities and we're talking about winter warming and it had been brought up uh, during the week that well is it is it too late and of course it's not too late and we're in the middle of winter um and so we want to be keeping those horses warm and the dogs as well um but the key to chinese medicine and its foundation really is a preventative medicine so I was laughing as I was getting ready to, to start tonight because I thought, I wonder how many times I'm going to say that word preventative or prevention tonight. It, it'll be a lot, but it's, it's really important. And um, as I've been thinking about the winter and uh, reviewing some cases that have come my way uh, this season, boy, I, sh I sure wish there would have been more prevention awareness, to be honest with you, because winter's a hard time. To uh, recover from if we um, if we get weak or we get ill um, because it's a time of contraction and it's a time of interflection and it's a time of going within so we're going to talk more about that energy as we move through the presentation but um, it's not too late to start we're going to be talking about warming right now when we need it but we're going to also be talking about the benefits of doing that and why it's going to be important for our coming season into the spring um, and how that's going to relate to our prevention role. And we all get so excited for the spring, but if we, uh, you know, if we don't come into the spring well seasoned through the winter, we're going to have problems. And we certainly know how illnesses and injuries can uh, end a season, especially when the, you know, some parts of our country and all over the world, those seasons are very short for, for being warm. So. So we'll start to move into a little bit more on the next slide with um, with our acupressure for all seasons. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can lower and myself. I'm like way sure. up high. I have this like, there. I think that's so I talked about that we do have five seasons in Chinese medicine. And then we will talk to you a little bit more about some of the aspects of those seasons. Um, we're going to talk about Chinese medicine for a moment and um, how that system of medicine has evolved 
many times now it will be known as, we'll, we'll heal terms like classical Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, the acronym being TCM, that's the most common. The traditional and classical forms are what we're mostly working with, with our acupressure protocols, because it is keeping the integrity of the medicine whole and natural and looking at the well-being of the, um, the animals, um, complete well-being, their environment, their physical condition, their uh, emotional condition. Um, so that is the classical and traditional form. Many times, especially in our acupuncture world, we'll hear terms like modern, uh, modern Chinese medicine or modern acupuncture, modern acupressure. Um, and those models just focus on what they say, a little bit more of a medical model, a little bit more of a westernized model. We use this often with animals as well. An example of that might be that we have an injury, we know where it's coming from, and we're just focused on that local problem, like the hawk injury or like a stifle injury, but we're not looking at that systemic piece of why did that happen? How do we treat it and prevent it from happening? Is there a tendency here towards that? Or how do we um, you know, move forward and get it healing uh, more quickly with more holistic and integrated whole body techniques? So I think it's just important as we're getting more popularity actually with these modalities for animals i found uh, people are very interested um, but i think it is important to separate a little bit the modern more westernized thinking of this classical traditional medicine and um, we will um, hold the integrity of the traditional form but that means that we still have a model that allows us to be able to get down to work and make a difference right away and um, it's a medicine that anybody can start, like I mentioned before. You don't have to have a lot of training to start. You will do no harm. We talk about good intention. And um, as you gain more skills, then we can start to move into what we call more specific point work or specific protocols. But we all start with the same place, and that's just looking at our animal, observing how that animal is functioning, I mentioned in the traditional form of Chinese medicine, they were always most concerned with function and how the being, and in this case, our animal is functioning in their environment. Um, the traditional Chinese medicine doctors, um, many people don't know this, but traditional Chinese medicine started with husbandry. It was important for the ancient cultures to be able to maintain their herds and their animal health because they were their tools, their transportation, um, their companions, they, they relied upon them and they had great value in those cultures. So the doctors of traditional Chinese medicine, they did not separate treatment of human and treatment of animal. They were all treated equally and all treated with the same type of medicine, which would be our acupressure techniques, our tuina massage techniques, herbal medicine, nutritional medicine, exercise, diet, uh, mindfulness all of those type of things. So those are the things we're gonna get a little deeper into as we move along. Okay. So I mentioned already that the traditional Chinese medicine doctors were really focused on function in the environment. 
And as we start to look at our equines, our canines or our felines for that matter, one of the first things that we talk about and teach is what we call the four examinations. And the first one in this presentation is, is really going to be our most important because that first one is observation. And um, observation of all of the things we already talked about, the physical condition, the environment, the um, the surrounding environment even, right? We can sometimes have, you know, a nice piece of property with a horse on it, but maybe there's a lot of stimulus or a lot of stress nearby. So we wanna be aware of all of those things. We wanna look at their feed, their supplements, um, what other complementary medicines and modalities they might be doing. Um, that is something to be very mindful of as well, because we always want to be supportive of um, complementary modalities that the animal's already receiving. And we also, of course, want to be supportive of proper veterinary care and procedures and not, um, you know, be having any interference there. So with our first of our four exams observation, we can look at all of these things. We, our, other, our other gathering pieces are pretty self-explanatory. It would be asking, getting a history, listening, smelling, tasting if appropriate. But we will talk, we use all of our senses in Chinese medicine. So um, you can just think of it um, as that. We have our eyes, our ears, our nose, and our mouth. And so we're going to use all of those. We have a saying in the equine-assisted uh, coaching world and um, it's a matter of fact, the certification I did, it's named for this, but we talk about it being okay. Um, and that if we focus on okay, we have a great starting point. And what okay stands for actually is observation and knowledge. If you observe, you can do a lot of good. And if you slowly build your knowledge base, you're going to be doing even better. So we'll end today with um, both of those things. Hopefully all of us taking a step forward in both our um, observation and knowledge. And uh, so we uh, we have okay, that makes everything better. So I always like that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at that environment, we're using our observations. And then what we're going to start to think about um, on our next slide is the, um, the individual. So even though we will be giving a nice generalized treatment protocol that will be safe to do on any animal, um, what we prefer as we start to move forward with our knowledge base is that we can start to individualize those, uh, those sessions and those um, uh, protocols that we're doing to be um, more individualized um, and doing more prevention and, and uh, enhancement, if you will. But um, we can always just meet the animal where they are in the moment and meet them where we are in the moment. And that's going to have a positive impact on everybody. Sorry, I'm making noise because I got tangled up in my wire <laughs> with okay. my glasses. Um, so as we look at this slide, and I have, um, let me just see, 
um, as we go on to daily routine, so we've talked about, well, we'll go back into that looking at that more from the observation and our asking our owners, um, what do those, those situations look like? The feeding time, the training regimen, the exercise, turnout, stable and shelter. And as we start to think about our season, we're going to want to really think about are those things appropriate for the season that possibly adjustments might need to be made in any one of these items as we adjust to the seasonal needs of the animal. I mean, it would just be obvious that in the winter and in the heat of the summer, the shelter is, is going to be more important than it might be at other times of the year. And our turnout and our exercise training, those three in the middle, boy, are they important because as we talk start going into deeper pieces of talking about winter, one of our challenges is those can be very limiting, right? Like, you know, how do, how do we keep up with our training regimen and our exercise and our turnout and do it safely? Um, a lot of us have had, you know, pretty solid frozen ground already for, you know, quite a few weeks right now. So um, that certainly um, can get some motivation going, I think, for some of the techniques that we might share with you and how you might take them into your exercise training and turnout programs as well um, so that we're still connecting with our horses and our animals and we're still building um, that relationship even through the winter if we're not able to train the way we think of classical training. So we're going to look at all of those things and what might need to be adjusted. And then as we move on to the individual horse on the next slide, we'll start to get a little bit more of an in-depth history, um, looking at age, of course, that's going to play a very important role as we start to think about winter. Um, again, we talked about contraction of energy, slowing down of energy. So um, inherently winter is the end stage of life cycle. It's the end stage of life cycle in just a season as well as one's lifetime. But it's all about that inner reflection. Sometimes that can sound kind of dark and cold um, as, as it truly is in its nature. But, but let's remember that seeds are germinated in the dark and um, we're planting the seeds in the winter for expansion going into spring. And the age, the weight, these things over here on the side are really going to help us determine our animal's ability to um, withstand some of the stresses of a season change or their ability to withstand the transitional changes moving into a new season. So being able to look at supporting that individual horse um, or cat or dog, same, same system applies. We're just giving the horse example, but we're gonna, you would go through the exact same process with your small animals as we're going through today with the horse. Um, and each one of these issues, if you're going through them with your animal and you start to check off a concern, then we will also start to plug that in to what season we would look at treating that imbalance um, to prevent it. Again, looking to try to treat ahead of the top curve and, and make sure that there, those problems don't come up when we're having um, you know, seasonal stresses accompanying 
the environment, you know, or adding into the environment. And uh, Lori Melmack had a, a good point. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's asking winter is a restorative season. Yes. Yes, it is. It is the time to rebuild energies as they go in inward. And so as we get into deeper into the winter, um, part of the demonstration, we start to talk about the kidney energy, which is the organ that is uh, ruled by winter and what it does. And that um, when we talk about that restorative energy, that is what our kidney energy does. And so that is absolutely true. And if we don't help to build and support those reserves during this time, we might suffer going into spring and summer and not have the type of vitality and energy that we want. Um, you know, uh, spring fever, right? We wanna get out there, we wanna move, be able to just be joyful and have full expression in the summer. And um, we need to support those processes by focusing on our restorative um, practices for ourselves and our animals now yeah. in the winter. Then yeah. we'll have full expression of those wonderful spring and summer months. Yep. And so I we're know, just going to, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I've been noting, because it is so dark, I can't stand it here in the Northeast. And Hard. we're finally at a five o'clock sunset, and we're seven weeks as of Sunday away from daylight savings yes. switching over. So it's kind yes. of, it comes quicker than, it seems so dark and long, but it, seven weeks, and it's, seven. It's a good, and it's a Hang good in. point, because um, we can tend to not be well aligned with the natural rhythms of seasons. Uh, the animals are very well aligned with the natural changes of the seasons, even though many times as their caretakers, we put them in environments that don't align uh, with the natural rhythms. That and a, a perfect example of that would be to clip them and put them under lights all winter so that they don't grow a coat for show season. But that would not be their natural tendency whatsoever. Um, we all know that our horses start growing their winter coat right in like September. Um, and why is that? Well, it's because we're getting darker. And so their, their brains, their hormones know, and actually there's a connection to the kidney in the winter right then, that adrenal gland connection to the pituitary gland that starts to tell them the days are getting shorter. And that means winter is coming. That means you need to store your reserves and we will start seeing them getting fuzzier, eating more, sleeping more, resting more. Um, they will naturally tend to go there if we can just really help support them in that process. And hopefully maybe we can start to learn a little bit more about that as well. I really encourage my human clientele to try to um, stop their day as much as they can when the sun goes down in the winter time so that they can go till nine or 10 or 11 o'clock at night in the summertime when it's appropriate. Um, because many times that doesn't happen. You get off work at five, six, then you run two, three errands, you're not home till eight or nine, and that's not a good alignment. And, and most of the time, um, the, they're happy that they've made those adjustments uh, and, and started to get more in alignment and feel this is the time. This is the time for us to, to take that restorative break. Nature's giving it to us. And 
I love this for the horses, actually. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it when we get into to the kidney um, energies. But for my rescue horses, especially my horses who have trust issues, which are winter and kidney, um, who have fear-based issues, boy, is this a perfect time to connect with them in a quieter, more, maybe it's a more secluded, secluded or secure environment. Maybe it's in the stall, in the barn. Maybe it's in their shelter that we're connecting with them. They're not out running around as much either, right? There's not as much forage for them. They're maybe seeking shelter. So we can take this opportunity most certainly to bond with any of our pets that have connection issues. And um, there's a lot of great information out there about practices you know you can do besides acupressure and tuina we encourage acupressure and tuina because how better to connect than through intentional touch yep. right but we can we can teach you know great time to teach tricks great time to you know do that type of training that doesn't need a lot of space um you just get creative but start but make that connection because you and your animals will both benefit from that mutual exchange of energies yeah Good time so. for some telepathic animal communication, too. Absolutely, <laughs> right? I think that the animals have a lot to say in the winter, in my experience as well, because they are inward, right? And they're in more introspective, as mm -hmm. we all should be. Um, they're probably not as concerned with connecting with us when it's springtime and those hormones kick up and they're kicking their heels up, right? right? And they're out playing and running. And, and, you know, um, expressing that spring energy. Yeah, so I find mine are trying to nudge me now, like mm -hmm. re reminding me to slow down. Like they're trying to kind of, mm -hmm. we just have to pay attention because they it's will do that. It's a wonderful time when we're talking about this connection to get into some, I'm not going to give an opinion on the subjects of stabling or blanketing and those kind of things because we all have to do what's right for us and our animal in the moment. We, of course, like animals to be as free and live as close to nature as they can. That still allows us to take proper care of them as well, right? But I think it's a like it's also a great opportunity in that connectedness I found to start to communicate with them. I mean, blanketing choices is a great example. You know, take the blankets out there, take, right? Who chooses mm -hmm. one? Who doesn't? Who leaves? Um, so, you know, if you're questioning those kind of things, should I blanket, should I not blanket, should I shut them in, should I not shut them in, I, we, we, as you know, and we, we all know that they probably already have an opinion about that. So uh, if we can yeah. be quiet enough, introspective enough in our own selves that we might be able to hear those messages. Or what we talk about um, through observation is being able to read what we see and trust it, right? Mm -hmm. And read their nonverbal um, responses to us too. So, so I love that part about winter. There's a lot of fun things we can do and, and hopefully we'll all just be more connected yes. after this winter with our animals. So as we look at just health issues in general, we, um, on the next slide, we have a list of them here that are common. And if you've studied any Chinese medicine previously, you'll know that these common health issues do have a tendency to show up during certain seasons. 
And that is due to the connection between the meridian pathways and the internal organ systems, or what we call the Zongfu organ systems. Um, in acupressure, we are able to influence and influence both the pathway, which is the meridian, where it goes and what it feeds, the chi, the blood, all what we call the vital substances that it brings to either the surface of the body where that pathway travels, or the energies and the vital substances that that meridian is carrying into the internal organ systems. So that is where we have, you know, the ability to influence some of the internal mechanisms of the body in looking at some of these health issues. I'll run down them briefly, um, kind of tell you where they fall. But these are the things that, again, as we're looking at our horse's tendencies, looking at their temperaments, looking at their adaptability to different seasons, if we can check these off and start to think about, well, when does this usually happen? Or when might the tendency be for it to happen? So the tendency will be the season. Um, if the horse has that temperament type as well, they might tend to have predisposition to certain illnesses or health imbalances. And so therefore, again, we can move into the preventative model. So typically when we look at allergies, those can both be spring and fall. So if we were treating spring allergies, a horse or an animal that goes out and gets, starts to get exposed to new grasses um, and has hive reactions or things like that, we would wanna be starting to work on that in their sessions now, right? Supporting their winter energies and getting those winter energies so that they can nourish this, the tendency to have a spring imbalance. So allergies can go spring or fall, our respiratory system. Typically we put that in the category of fall because that is the time for the lungs. And of course, um, we see a lot of respiratory issues in the winter and we relate that to the previous season, the weakness going in to winter from fall, okay? The dryness that's there, you know, all the things that are floating around in the air um, and the wind that's coming up and just the transition. Transitional seasons tend to be hard on our animals as well. So when we're, you know, especially especially we find as we all are in it right now the transition from fall to winter we know if we don't go in healthy we could struggle all winter to stay well and then the transition um, from winter into spring because of the ability to nourish and recharge and rebuild in the winter if that's not there then our muscles our tendons our ligaments and the things that we need for exuberant movement in the spring um, in even the reproductive system that um, will be called upon with our some of our animals in the spring are all supported by properly nurturing the kidneys in the winter time so so we go down colic and digestion belongs to spleen and stomach which is a, a late summer season. However, we know that weak digestion certainly has an ability to express itself in the winter uh, with colic 
just due to stress and the cold and the contraction, potentially uh, lack of drinking enough water, potentially lack of movement can all lead to, of course, colic risk in the winter, one of the things that a lot of horse owners are worried about. Um, hoof issues um, belong to, um, they can really go into the spring and winter both uh, because we have components of the hoof that are, are ruled by the, by the kidney, but also some of those issues that we will look at. The structure and the the structure and the foundation of the hoof would belong to the bony uh, bony connections to the kidney, but certainly the mobility issues um, would be involved with, with springtime in the liver. And hoof issues are interesting because we can actually, that's one area that we could take the hoof and really break that down into probably five seasons in and of itself. Um, as, as, as we study further, we can find that what type of hoof issues might be happening can be addressed through different seasonal connections. Uh, thrush, for example, would be different than laminitis or different than cracked hooves or you know, lacking of soul and things like that. So, so the hoof issues, of course, um, be treated all year long. And uh, definitely we have lots of points around that coronary band and that hoof that can support hoof health and function. We all know the saying, no hoof, no horse. So um, that's an important one that we want to be looking at all year long, but certainly look at the tendencies and then look at the connection to those seasons so for prevention. Gait and mobility, again, um, all seasons, of course, but winter into spring, one of our most important times, because if the muscles, the tendons and the ligaments after coming out of cold and contraction and immobility aren't nourished well, then we're going to be prone to injuries there. And um, one of the, the main things for prevention is early season injuries, right? Because then there's no season. Uh, circulation really belongs to our heart energy in the summer. Uh, so again, if we've supported everything through winter and our adrenal glands are strong, we're going to move into the spring and get that fire energy going throughout the body and we'll have circulation out to all the tissues, nourishing all the tissues. And then emotional behavior, those again, there's one for every season. So we can look at emotions, uh, traumas, how to support the animal through those changes and also support the animal through their temperament. If they have to, um, you know, have a certain temperament that they're going to be uh, more susceptible to the energies of a certain seasonal change. Like we mentioned already, um, fear and trust in the, the water element that, that connects us into winter. So any questions on our health issues? They all have the five seasons connected into them. And then some of them, like I said, have all five seasons connected into those conditions okay i don't see anybody but feel free if anybody is in the chat okay. and do have questions as we're going along feel free to put them in there and we'll definitely uh get those answered all right so we're just following up with what we just covered and really just anticipating what our seasonal health is going to look like so you see here we have um some outline for what we can be thinking about to to treat in each season um, looking to treat in the uh, 
in the winter and into the springtime allergies. I talked about mobility issues and making sure that we're ready to get active. Winter, we talked about colic prevention, of course, the cold and also mobility. But really what we're trying to get across with the importance of these last couple slides is the anticipation, the prevention, and then the support in the moment. We're almost probably always looking at three seasons when you really think about it, the before, the during, and the after. And then it's just cyclical and we just keep moving and evolving and adapting with the animal and with their needs um, based on their environment. So we want to promote the full expression of all of the seasons and um, Oh, yes, I just somebody was asking, does this apply to doggies too? Yes, this applies Absolutely. to, yeah. Um, and even though, yeah, we're, even though we're doing an equine presentation, everything we're discussing, it has, has um, you know, the same uh, approach with a smaller animal. Of course, you know, they aren't living out in a herd in a stable, but we still need to be thinking about their environment. They're probably going to be needing to be inside more often. There might be issues with, you know, checking their feet for cold and exposure. There might be grooming issues, feet issues that need to um, to be looked at with the canines and the felines as well. And certainly when we get to our protocol, it's exactly the same. So it's exactly the same, whether it's the human, the, the dog, the cat or the horse, um, when we get ready to do our protocols and our actual sessions, um, you can do it on any species. And we have a we have oh, a vet that treats we have a vet that studied with us recently, and she is a goat specialist. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, very very cool. Neat. So. Uh, and Danelle, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, thoughts on horse long term abs abscesses? I think you're saying not absences. And I'm at first mm -hmm. I read it and so, I was like absence, but I think you're saying abscesses. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that so what's the issue? So again, you know, not to get into specific protocols because our point specific protocols take a little bit more study and in-depth evaluation than what we're going into today. But we would look at the season. First of all, just when are the abscesses happening? Are they happening when it's dry? Are they happening when it's wet? Um, most of the times there's some type of extreme. Um, other than, in, you know, unless it's a, an actual stone bruise or something like that that caused it. Um, usually it's, it's just some type of extreme. And then, of course, we're also looking at if a horse is prone to abscesses, then the internal balance is not there. And um, we can go further into how is that manifesting? What part of the hoof? Or is, there a, is there a tendency to a certain part of the hoof? So we can go much deeper. Um, but all of your acupressure work around the coronary bands will help because that will just move energy through the hoof and help bring down inflammation and help restore balance. So don't hesitate to be doing your acupressure chewing knowledge just on the coronary band and down the leg to help if you don't have the training to go into the specific points yet that would be for that individualized condition. Does that make sense? We really want to look a little deeper into the abscess 
and that history. Okay, so just looking at you know the example of um, of the different seasons and what we might be looking at, looking at the animal's tendency. The hoof abscess was a great example because I would really look at what type of conditions are happening when the horse is, is getting abscesses. Wet, dry, hard, cold, um, those type of things, and that'll help us be able to address it better. So should we get into our actual season? Yeah, okay. I, think, I think we're ready. All right. All right. So as we move into the water element. Nice yeah, switch, Jess. Okay. <laughs> um, so winter is ruled by the element of water. So we've already talked about the organs that belong to the element of water in Chinese medicine are the kidney and the urinary bladder. And they are sister organs. And we uh, will be talking about the bladder's pathway. We use it a lot in our treatment because it is part of our ad more advanced work when we use it for assessment work. But it is a meridian that you'll see in a lot of modalities um, as an opening and closing protocol because it runs the length of the spine basically. And we have what are called our association points which are part of our assessment process and our session process in uh, advanced acupressure work. But those points all have a connection into the internal body, into the meridian, and into the direct organ systems. So that's why we use the bladder meridian for uh, most all work uh, with animals, uh, because it gives us a, an ability to, to connect with the whole body. Just from connecting through the bladder meridian, we will touch every organ and every meridian that the animal has on their body um, through the bladder points down the spine. So our water element has to do with winter, cold, contraction, restorative energies. Um, the water element rules our bones, our joints. So we want to think about the spine, the low back especially, because where the kidneys and the bladder housed, right, in the lower lumbar region. We um, Think about especially the lower extremities, the knees, the ankles, so hocks, stifles, uh, any joint disorder, any adrenal disorder. So even looking at um, some of our chronic imbalances, potentially Cushing's-related things, um, looking at you know adrenal and and other endocrine connections in the you know the brain and the pituitary gland. And um, so we just think about what are the nature, what is the nature of water, and what does water do when it's exposed to cold? And that's going to give you a pretty good idea of what winter energy is like, right? Just look at nature. And so our counterbalance to that, or our support for that, is of course warming techniques. So we talked about the kidney and bladder. What does it mean that it's the root of life or original chi? The gate of vitality, Ming Men, the essence. That is, I've mentioned several times that kidney is uh, equivalent to our adrenal. If we think of that in the Western world, the kidney and the adrenal gland are one and the same. I always like the joke. It's not my joke. The teacher sometime along the way um, told me that they just didn't know back then that the kidneys wore a hat. 
called the adrenal glands. <laughs> so they're pretty connected. The spleen and the pancreas are a similar, um, similar connection. But I, I want, um, I want us to be thinking about kidney as adrenal and kidney. And then the bladder, we can think about what it does is just a, you know, a elimination organ. But really the bladder, I mentioned just a few minutes ago that the bladder is really important for its pathway because it is that pathway that runs along our spinal cord. Um, and so it has the connection along every vertebral body to our internal organ system. They would be known as the dermatones or the nerve roots in a Western thinking model. So that's why it's such a powerful meridian and why we use it for session work and assessment workflow. So, okay, so we're in winter and we're really thinking about warming techniques. We're thinking about connecting with our animal trying to balance the tendency for cold and damp and wind to potentially settle into the body. We're going to be thinking about what, what types of things we can do to warm the animal besides our chewing on acupressure. So if appropriate, we um, might be making some, are you there? <laughs> I have a double screen. Let me see. Oh, okay. I've got two things going on at the same time. Yeah, well, we, we already talked about winter and its nature, right, with water. So I think we can go past the, uh, the contraction and the stiffness of winter where we had the cold and the damp. And yet we'll get into the kidney yang because here we go. Here is our fire that lives down in our low back in our kidney adrenal area. And we need to support this during the winter time so that we have a good generator system and lots of energy moving up through the body and nourishing um, all of our systems. So we, we talk about yang energy being warm. That's the more masculine energy. It tends to rise. It tends to circulate, go out to the extremities. And so that is the type of energy that we're going to want to um, promote in the winter time. We're promoting that kidney yang chi, the warming part of the kidney. It will um, send energy out to the entire body. Uh, one of the things that we can look at, at in the um, warming system of the kidney too is how it is able to transform and transport other substances. So, right, if we're not warm, we can't really digest. Our just digesting is based on cooking food. Whether it's the animal or the human, our, our digestive system is a cooking pot that needs to be able to be warm enough to cook foods. So we can certainly look at adding warming foods, potentially, if it's appropriate for the animal, warming substances, into the diet, we can look at that. We talked already about some of our activities. Um, keep the animal moving, even if they're, even if we have snow and ice, we can keep them moving um, by doing um, some work inside, some connected work. We can help them move their energy by doing our tween on acupressure. All right, here we go. We are finally on a place to where we can do some work. 
So Tui Na is um, a growing uh, occupation, I would say. Uh, us practitioners of Chinese medicine, we've known about Tui Na because it is acupressure massage. And um, it really has multiple um, hand modalities, multiple strokes involved in it. But where with acupressure, we are typically point specifically uh, stimulating a certain point that has a certain connection into the body. With Tui Na, we can certainly cover a broader area. We can certainly cover a whole meridian, a whole extremity. Um, and we're still um, using the, uh, the model of acupressure and adding more movement and circulatory type strokes into that. So it's part of our opening and closing with most acupressure sessions as well. We open um, tracing the bladder meridian and that, that stroking movement would be a tween on movement. So um, it's acupressure massage tween on, it predates acupuncture. Um, they've been doing it since the beginning of history. Uh, we all do it. If we bump our leg, if we bump our arm, what's the first thing we do? We rub it. So we're just naturally drawn to tuing on. Of course, we see our animals do it all the time too, right? Bathe, you know, we just talk about bathing themselves or, you know, my horses, you know, will reach down and, you know, see them working on their own meridians, whether they're itching it or rubbing it or scratching it. So again, through our observation, sometimes they can tell us where um, they might need some help. So let's get ready to look at what we can do on any creature, any animal, to warm them up, to support their kidney and adrenal glands during these winter cold months. When we start a tuing off session, in our work, we always start with the bladder meridian, and we call that our opening. The bladder meridian starts at the inner corner of the eye. It runs back. Um, on the horse to between the ears, that's a, a very common known point called bladder 10. And then of course it runs down, as you can see, onto the top of the wither. And when we get to the top of the wither, we drop down a little bit, about one, let's see where my hand is in the screen, about one hand's width down off the spine is the line you're going to be tracing along that bladder line. So you will start wherever you're comfortable. If you can, with your animal, start at bladder one at the inner campus, that's fine. If you feel comfortable starting behind the ears at bladder 10, that's fine as well. If that animal is not comfortable having you touch their eyes or their ears, just start where you're comfortable. The wither is a great place to start. Right at the start of the wither is where we start to have our associated points. So the points um, right at that shoulder blade will start to connect into the um, organ systems. And our first one that we um, start to work with in the acupressure world is bladder 13, which is our lung point. But if you just start at the wither, you're fine too. So wherever you can reach, wherever you're comfortable, we're going to run or open the bladder meridian three times on each side. And we're going to do that with a flat hand stroke so that we're not creating too much pressure. And in, a, in acupressure, we always keep 
one hand on the animal for support. So whether you're moving with both hands or just holding the shoulder, and that hand can move with you, but we always keep two hands on so that we're creating a safe environment for both the horse with the dog supporting them, but also you will be able to feel more likely if your animal is to create a movement, you won't be surprised. So I want to um, have you guys definitely, if you're not experienced with this work yet, um, just start here and start with just getting your hand connected and tracing down that bladder meridian with a nice flat palm. So it just literally will look like this. And as you get to the heel of your hand, you can create a little bit more pressure. And we're just going to trace the entire meridian all the way down three times each side. One of the things I, I didn't mention yet as we get ready to start our session is we always talk about starting our intention, our sessions with intention and permission. So the intention is just whatever you make of it, right? It can just be that my intention is to warm this animal and um, support their adrenal kidney function during the winter. You might have more precise intention if you have that, that training and that's great too. And then permission, it's just approaching the animal, making that connection. Um, we have what's called a horseman's handshake, right? Where we just reach, you know, reach our hand out and let them touch it with their nose um, and get a horseman's handshake or just, you know, just really just intuitively and intentionally um, making some type of mental connection with the animal that you, you're going to work on them for their, for their betterment. Um, so we will, we will trace that bladder meridian all the way down. In Chinese medicine, we actually have um, two bladder lines that gets into deeper work. So as we come across the hip, the, the meridian actually dives back into the body and comes back out on the wither again. And so we have two lines down the bladder meridian. The reason I want to bring that up is if you're using your flat hand and you're about a hand's width off their spine, you don't need to worry if you're not exactly right because you have two lines there. You have the first bladder line, you have the second bladder line, and they both have great powerful functions to them. So you're just gonna follow that all the way down, just come down the back of the hip towards the tail, right down the midline, right down the back of the leg as you get down to the hawk, um, you will come laterally to the end of the foot. As I'm going to show you in the next slides, you're going to use both hands um, as we get down the extremities. And the cool thing about that is you'll be able to affect, be affecting multiple meridians um, with that technique. So while you are doing the bladder meridian opening, flat hand with connection, three times on each side, we want it to be slow enough that you can feel or perceive changes. Um, so don't just rush through it. Take enough time to feel if there's change in the fur, change in the um, temperature, dips, bumps, anything like that, because that can help you in your future work. Then we're going to just go down the, um, down the, down the hind end and we're going to be feeling for any cold or anything there as well. So after we've opened the bladder meridian, any areas that you have found that are cold, 
along that pathway, we can move to our MOFA, which is a circular rubbing. Still the flat palm, circular rubbing. We have a energy center at the palm of our hand called pericardium eight. That's one of the fire meridians. And this is where the heat comes from our hand. And so if we want to test it out, it's super simple. All you literally have to do, rub your hands together. You're going to feel that heat coming right off pericardium eight. And that is the point that we are, that is the point that we are um, sending energy through during this technique for warming. So both through the bladder meridian tracing and now through our circular movement with MOFA, flat hand, both hands on the animal, wherever you found it was cold, wherever you found might have a change, you're going to do some circular motions. Typically we'll do warming techniques clockwise. You can do that circular three up to three to eight times to warm that area, okay? Do we have a question? I saw something pop up. Okay, so that is our MOFA. We can do that along the bladder line. We can do that on any of the points we found on the extremities. And in our next slide, we're going to move to a movement called SOFA. Um, even though it's spelled with a C, it's pronounced like it has an S. And SOFA is friction. So it's ju just as I showed you, rubbing the hands together. But this time we're going to have the animals part in between our hands. So we're going to just rub down the extremity, just like the video is showing, or just like the slide is showing us, just rub down with those warming techniques. The really nice thing about this technique, you can use it wherever you feel cold. You can use it wherever you feel a change that might need warming. But as you do this technique down the extremity, you're going to hit two important points as you move down through the stifle and the hawk. And that is um, one of the kidney source points, kidney three, and one of the main pain relieving analgesic points for the body, bladder 60. Um, you'll be connecting with those, um, one on the, with your inside hand and one on your outside hand. So we will be balancing two specific points that are really important in our winter warming um, protocols um, just by doing the SOFA technique down the extremity. We're not giving point-specific protocols during this session because it's just a warming session. If we knew we had certain um, conditions that needed more addressing, then of course we would get into our um, point-specific acupressure work. But for warming, the bladder meridian opening with flat hand, you're going to warm and open that whole meridian, send circulation to every place in the body, coming down these extremities, both with the uh, MOFA and the SOFA, you're going to warm multiple meridians coming down through the leg, including a really important point called stomach 36, which is one of the master points for uh, digestion and preventing colic. So we're gonna be warming all of those points um, that will have direct effect in sending energy back up to the kidneys, back up to the spleen and stomach and the organ systems and keeping them warm. There's a really great example that we can use to demonstrate both in our massage techniques, but just to understand what cold looks like or feels like in the body. 
and that is what um, we call white knuckles. So if you just take your fist and you clench it for a little bit, take a look at what's happening to your bones and your joints, which is, um, we've already established are more susceptible to cold in winter, right? Because this is their season, the kidney season. Kidney rules the joints, kidney rules the bone. And you look at those white knuckles. Well, that is lack of chi, lack of blood, lack of energy flow due to constriction. So you can imagine if we just kept our fists clenched like that for a long time, that white energy, that white color that we're seeing on the white knuckles would start to become even more stagnant, potentially purple or blue and get really cold. So white knuckles gives you the idea of what the body's energy is like in those joints around the animal's vertebrae, their hocks, their stifles. And we start to move that energy through these simple warming techniques that we've taught you today. It's like, boom, you open up that blood flow and you'll see that pink color return right away to, to your tissues. And, and that's what we're doing. And it's as simple as that. You just start, you can study and dive deeper. And I know I've already taken you over five minutes. So um, I can uh, take us uh, through the slides. We're going and finish them up real quick. We're going to close our session the same way we opened it with uh, three runs down the bladder meridian, both sides. I want you to just observe what you found after you warmed the animal, after you've opened up the kidney bladder meridian and sent circulation through um, those systems for winter warming. And um, you've completed a really great session for your animal. Not only have you supported their winter wellness, but you've started to move that energy to support their movement towards spring, the nourishment of their tendons and ligaments and so we just keep that up. We'll move into springtime healthy and hopefully be back here talking about a little bit more on what to do during springtime to get ready yeah. to move into summer. Yeah, and a good uh, point, making sure I'm not muted here. Good point Melmac is saying, um, or asking the question, is that why rheumatoid arthritis attacks our joints, I suppose? Rheumatoid's interesting because it's an autoimmune disease um, it will sometimes actually have a heat component to it. Um, so rheumatoid, we tend to look at a little bit more differently in TCM than say osteo. So our cold type of arthritis is because kidney adrenal rules bone. We tend to think of the arthritis is more as the osteoarthritis is, the degenerative arthritis is, because the winter is the, the end stage, right? The pulling in stage, um, we're, we're, we'll see more impact on our senior horses. Um, so um, if we were looking at RA, um, I would probably be looking at some kidney because it's in the joints, but also looking at different mechanisms of why there's inflammation there and why the body has a miscue and is, you know, attacking itself basically. So a little different mechanism, a little more heat involved already. So with those kind of conditions, again, individualized, but we might be doing more dredging and cooling techniques potentially um, versus warming techniques depending on if the joint was red hot or swollen or actually cold. 
so yeah, just think of arthritis like white knuckles, the great great way to look at winter arthritis. It's going to tend, tend to be more degenerative, old injuries, senior animals, cold, worse with cold, better with movement, better with warmth. Okay. All righty, and such great techniques that are so easy to do, really. So easy, safe to do. You don't need more training than what we're helping you with right now. Of course, we have a great program that can take you into much deeper studies, whether it's just for your own animals or whether you want to make a profession out of this work. Um, we have programs that you know are, are designed for all of that. Um, but, it, but you just start and just trust what you feel. Um, I've been in practice for over 30 years and every time I work with these animals with touch, I'm surprised at what I feel. And the body doesn't lie. There's, we call it the law of integrity. It's a foundation of Chinese medicine and that is what is inside will manifest outside. It will show us. Mm -hmm. So one of the takeaways um, that I will definitely um, tell our practitioners and our um, owners and guardians of these animals is just start, just connect, right. just touch. Um, you can't go wrong uh, running the bladder meridian on any animal. It's going to give you feedback and insight to your animal that maybe you didn't have previously. Maybe you'll get a better understanding of what's going on with them. Um, just taking that time to see, is there an area that's cold? Is there an area that's too warm potentially, right? So. So really good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, a, I, the animals love it and they receive it they and yeah. And, and they'll, and they'll start it. to guide you, right? Right. right. Exactly. For us that have say, done this yeah. before we know they will move into you where they need it. Yeah. They'll show you um, where they need more work. So just, just be intuitive, connect right. with your animal through intentional touch, do prevention so that we don't have to do crisis management because that's hard when you have an animal that's struggling and suffering and you know they're they're not coming out of whatever happened quick enough um so so think about those things and be mindful of your animals that are winter animals right that are the seniors your 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 horses that have the temperament to maybe be more sensitive in the winter time we want to be thinking about all of those things um check with your veterinarian about you know adding warming herbs and nutrients, there's some good ones. Just make sure it's appropriate for, you know, your individual animal changes in diet. One thing about the winter is we always recommend that uh, when things are extreme, that we don't make extreme changes. So we get stressed out because like, we just had an Arctic blast here, minus 20 um, degrees for two days. And one of the things that was going around in the equine world is just keep doing more of what you're already doing. Don't make extreme changes in your horse's care during an extreme event because that could be a tipping point of stress so just more food more shelter more warmth more touch more connectedness but but try to avoid extremes keep things stable for them absolutely um yeah. and i know this is just a little bit of a yeah, example so we, of people learning here. <laughs> yes, and that's our, we have our Tuina prep course online. Um, that's a great course that will take you into a deeper dive study on the practice of, of Tuina and all the different hand 
uh, modalities that we use, the hand movements, uh, there's many of them. We don't practice all of them, but we do, we do on our hands-line class give you a give you a dive into just about all of the, the hand techniques and what they're used for. There's certainly some that we use much more often than others, but they're all appropriate. Um, and you can incorporate, of course, any of your acupressure work as well into the Tugna. So we have our hands-on Tugna class scheduled for October 4th and 5th. Um, that class is fun because that class um, is very interactive. We get to do some different things um, with our, our modality um, beyond just the acupressure stimulation of points. Um, but it's, it's a dynamic class. Um, it's, it, we, it was really fun in July. We all had a great time um, working with dogs and horses together. So, so that's a really fun class. And the point I was trying to get to with it is that it is um, a substitute for our intro class as well. So we have our intro acupressure class, but um, you can do the tui na class too. Both of those serve as a really nice introduction class into getting your hands on animals um, and really getting the TCM model um, into your repertoire, into your vocabulary. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's just another picture of some graduate graduates mm -hmm. here. Um, All the dogs. <laughs> yeah, okay, this is a doggy one. Yep. Um, well, just because we didn't bring the horses out for the photos. Right? <laughs> um, well, definitely, yeah. And I know, I think you guys have a, you have a YouTube channel for tall grass um and on the tall grasses animal resources website the website yeah. there's a link to webinars there as well so there's lots of great snippets there that are even shorter than what i put you guys through today um you know 20 minute long little little clips and um yeah just check out the website there it is loaded with it, lots of information yeah, um, besides you know, books and charts and, and class schedules, there's just a lot of resources that Amy and Nancy, um, they write many articles for almost any animal publication. And so those articles can be found there as resources as well, too. And as I mentioned before, there is a there will be a link. I think I didn't put it there yet, but it would there will be one in the description soon. But it's tallgrassanimalacupressureresources.com, mm -hmm. right? Or is it yes. .org? dot com i believe i think so too right mm -hmm. um yes. so yeah but always you know you can check out that i'll have that link too in the description or google tall grass yeah. animal acupressure and resources there's, there's a link to the hands-on class schedule there's a link to like i said other resources plus the coursework on that website yep everything's there and um let me go back to Oh, where's Lori? <laughs> I'm done. No. <laughs> this is so bizarre the way this has been going tonight with these. I don't know why it's doing three sometimes here, but um, let me get rid of you. Blank one. There we go. Okay. So, um, and then also, Lori, you have two, if you just wanted to mention, you have your own website too for your so, private yes. so, human and um, animal. Yes, you can link to my website also just, you know, at the schedule link is there on the animal resources website. My website is, I have two actually, cthealingcenter.com is just my acupuncture practice um, website uh, in my office in Parker. CT 
attheranch.com is our Black Forest Clinic. And that um, that's a nice website if you guys want to check it out. Um, we talk about animal acupressure. We talk about some other modalities that we practice, both the electroequiscope and acupressure. And I also do um, practitioner and guardian guidance sessions. So um, you can link to me through that if you need help with a case study, if you need help with your own animal, if you need help with your practice. Um, I've really been enjoying the one-on-one -on -one guidance sessions and I will keep doing them as long as I have the availability um, to do that. And it's a great way to connect with our students and, and sometimes work through individualized protocols if you're stuck with anything. So you can always reach out to me there um, as a support system. That's what we're here for is to support you as both an animal guardian or a practitioner. We want to make sure that those support systems are there for you. It's wonderful. Yeah. And also, if you feel like checking out, I have a free class. That little QR code will take you there for animal Ooh. communication. They all go together. You can learn to communicate with animals and do that while you're doing your acupressure. It'll improve your work with the body work that you're doing with your animals. And you can use that, as I said, that QR code. And that's on my website, intuitivetouchanimalcare.com. And so I just want to thank you, Lori, because this is a, a wealth of information. This is really, we are really blessed to have this information. I mean, anything that you've heard here tonight, you could just immediately start working with your animals. I hope so. I hope and that was the goal. Yeah, um, it's really going to help that them. you could could in it, you know, end tonight and feel totally comfortable putting your hands on your animal, whether you've been formally trained or not. Yeah. And um, we have a lot of support systems out there. Again, like I said, whether you want to do it just for your own prevention and care of your own animal, or whether you want to do it to help other animals. Either way. Yeah. And thank you to Tall Grass uh, Animal Acupressure Resources for sharing Lori with us tonight. And we hope to have you back if, if it works out for you and Tall Grass in the future. And, thank you. Yeah. So thank and you. you guys all stay warm. Keep warming your animals. Yes, definitely. Yourself. Yes. And Lori, don't go away. I forgot to tell you that. Okay. When the show ends. I won't. Thank you, thank everybody, you. for being here. Thank you so much thank to our wonderful mods. Thank you, Mel Mack. You're awesome. Thank you for all that you do to to help the show mel mac you are terrific thank you and everyone for being here so and let us know in the comments um if you tried this and how it went for you and what your animals did when you tried this with them we'd love to hear it let us know thanks thank you god bless listen close rub my belly rub my belly